When are you an American Express member? When you travel with the American Express Platinum Card and have access to Centurion lounges at over 40 locations worldwide, you're a member. When your American Express Platinum Card gets you seated at exclusive tables at renowned restaurants through Global Dining Access by Resi, you're a member. When you arrive at live events through dedicated American Express Card member entrances at select venues, yeah, you're a member. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, welcome to the last episode of this season of El Flow. It's been an amazing ride. Thank you for joining us all along. On the previous episode of El Flow, we looked at Teo Calderón's breakthrough album, El Abayalde. Abayalde is the insect. Abayalde is this insect, like a little ant. But when it stings, it burns like hell. Well, that's Teo. When I heard the album, I looked him in the eye and told him, this is a masterpiece. That's very Afro-Caribbean. And it worked amazingly. For real. That album made history. He had the hottest producers at the time. In their finest hour. I'm talking about Looney Tunes. They're both great, amazing people. But in terms of their character, they're total, total opposites. Looney likes the spotlight. He just has that charisma. Tunes is like the mega introverted person. I think they, they're like the biggest influence in shaping what we have. Because you, you can see a before and after them, and, and it's a huge difference. In the mid-2000s, with the rise of Tego Calderón, Daddy Yankee, Wisin y Yandel, along with the sonic evolution from Looney Tunes, reggaeton would see radio stations and record labels emerge seemingly overnight to capitalize on the massive musical wave. But by the end of the decade, the hits coming out of Puerto Rico fizzled, and the industry built for a never-ending stream of reggaeton hits imploded. Why? Well, if you ask people like Playero or Tiny, they'll tell you that by the 2010s, reggaeton had become monotonous and predictable. For whatever reason, many songs seemed like they were just trying to copy gasolina, using all the same tricks. If there's one constant in the history of reggaeton, it's that the music is always on the move. Somebody somewhere from Panama to New York, from Puerto Rico to Boston, is ready to make it theirs, ready to make their mark. And that's what happened in Colombia, precisely in Medellín, a beautiful city carved into a steep valley in the Andes. The people of Medellín, Paisas, have played a huge role in reggaeton's current dominance of Latin music and of global streaming platforms. This is the story of how Medellín became the next capital of Perreo. This is El Flow, a journey to the roots of reggaeton. 
My name is Lilia Luciano. I'm a CBS News correspondent born and raised in Puerto Rico, the cradle of reggaeton. You're listening to episode 18, Perreo Paisa. At around 3 o'clock in the afternoon of June 24th, 1935, two planes collided on the tarmac of Olaya Herrera Airport in Medellin. Seventeen people died, including Carlos Gardel, the most influential tango singer and composer of all time. Medellin back then was a small stop in the global tango diaspora stretching from Buenos Aires to Paris, Hence, Gardel's visit to the city. But his death turned Medellín into the movement's second capital. The music resonated with the people of Medellín so much, they adopted and celebrated the genre as theirs. I bring this up because recognizing this penchant for adopting musical influences is useful in understanding the history of reggaeton in Medellín and the influence of Medellín on reggaeton. Haya sonado la música tropical. Tropical music has been big there. American music, you know, American rock as well, electronic music, and also tango, which has its roots in Argentina and made its way there. And the people accepted it and said, okay, come on, let's go. So it's like all the sounds that arrive in Medellin, we accept them. That's Luis Fernando Henao, a longtime radio personality in Medellin who goes by the name DJ Semáforo. Buenas noches, soy DJ Semáforo de Rumba 106.9, Medellín, la casa del reggaetón en Colombia. Back in 2001, Semáforo worked at Rumba Estéreo, a popular radio station known for playing all types of music. Lo bueno de Rumba en esa época era que era, eh, daba sorpresas. The good thing about Rumba Estéreo at the time was that it was full of surprises. People tune in like, what's going to happen today? And musically, we will play anything and everything. That's when reggaeton starts to filter in. To understand how reggaeton began to permeate Medellin on a massive scale, we have to go back to one afternoon in 2001, when DJ Semáforo and his boss, the director of Rumba Stereo, Fernando Londoño, or El Guru, went out for lunch. The station's office was in the center of Medellin, near the emblematic Coltejer building and the shops near Calle Junín, where you could buy everything from cheap clothes to herbal potions to improve virility. It was also a place where you could buy pirated music from so-called pirates. Ponían un, un tendido, o sea, una sábana, ahí en el bordo de, de un almacén de esos de la calle. They would lay a sheet on the floor in the streets and spread all the CDs. Why? It had to be very practical, because when the police arrived, they would fold their sheets and fush, they were gone, never to be found. They knew the pirates were in the business of giving the public the hottest music. So from time to time, they would check to see what songs were on the pirated records. If the music Semáforo and Guru played on Rumba Stereo was also on the CDs, then they knew they were setting the trends. So it was on this afternoon in 2001 when they decided to buy a CD with more than 150 songs. En uno de esos CDs, piratas. On one of those pirate CDs, we found the first reggaeton song, which was called Latigazo by Daddy Yankee. Semáforo and El Guru had never heard anything like it. It was like Panamanian reggae and hip-hop, similar even to Colombian champeta, but at the same time, totally different. Eso suena bueno, ¿cierto? Uh, ¿Qué será eso? No sé, pero suena muy bueno. That sounds good, no? And he was like, oof, what is that? I don't know, but it sounds really good. So what? You want to put it on the air? Go for it. Let's air that track. 
Now we're going to listen to this new song. If you like it, let us know at 231-9827. Esa canción yo creo que sonó dos veces y ya era la número uno. I think that song played twice and shot up to number one. So impressive. Everybody was asking for it. Play it again. Sema, play it again. Guru, play that song again. Oh, so good. As was the case in Puerto Rico a decade earlier, the dembow beat, that tumpa tumpa, was like a musical drug the people of Medellín couldn't stop listening and dancing to. The reason in part is that Colombian music is based on similar drum patterns. From the folkloric cumbia to champeta with its more urban touch. And that was the charm, the rhythm. La gente en el carro le ponía People volumen. People played in the car and cracked the volume. It sounded so hard. It was the best. I think the beat was what really made people fall in love with the music. Not the lyrics, because there were no lyrics. The Latigazo song about getting whipped. Oh, I'm going to call my girlfriend and dedicate this whip song to her. <laughs> no, that wasn't going to work, but it did sound good. Semaforo started looking for more songs like Latigazo and tried to find out what this music was and where it came from. There was nothing in the radio station's libraries like it. He went back to the street cellar, but they had nothing. And so he began to search the internet, which at that time was all about Napster. Remember the place where you could download music for free? Back then, when we used to use the internet, we would be like, Ma, don't use the phone. I'm going to go online. And you'd be waiting, hoping you would connect. And when you downloaded a song... You would download 5,000 viruses and one song with crappy sound. <laughs> little by little, Semáforo found new songs. Pa' que retosen by Tego, Yo Quiero Bailar by Evie Queen, Amor de Colegio by Héctor y Tito, until he had about a dozen. Without knowing who they were, Semáforo started to play them all on Rumba Stereo. The craze on the radio naturally spread to parties. The first ones were organized in lower middle class neighborhoods. In Medellín and throughout Colombia, public schools elect students to leadership positions called personeros, like student council. During the elections, the candidates promise all kinds of things to get votes, like politicians. The personeros would do all type of things. One would bring a famous soccer player, another would bring rumba stereo. We wanted to go to the schools because that was the audience we needed. When are you an American Express member? When you travel with the American Express Platinum Card and have access to Centurion lounges at over 40 locations worldwide, you're a member. When your American Express Platinum Card gets you seated at exclusive tables at renowned restaurants through Global Dining Access by Resi, you're a member. When you arrive at live events through dedicated American Express card member entrances at select venues, yeah, you're a member. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. 
The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. DJ Semáforo didn't know it yet, but there were already reggaetoneros in Medallo. Rumba Stereo fue la primera que... Rumba Stereo was the first to play reggaeton because of El Guru and DJ Semáforo. That's when it began to become like really popular among the kids, the pelados, and it totally helped us. It helped us because they wanted to have an artist on stage and, and there we were. This is Mr. Deck, Daniel Esteban Calle, one of the first reggaeton singers and producers in Medellín. In the 90s, Mr. Deck formed a duo called Golpe a Golpe with his friend Pequeño Juan. They were a hip-hop group, barely starting to make their own beats at the age of 12, when the mixtapes of Playero and Cuentos de la Cripta from Panama gradually arrived underground. Mr. Deck decided to leave hip-hop to concentrate on making reggaeton. O sea, por la necesidad de golpe a golpe, de tener donde grabar su música. Because we needed a place to record music, to make our beats, the studio was born. And it began to house all the artists who also wanted to make the same type of music because there are no other studios. That's when Palma Productions came to life, which today is considered the first reggaeton studio in Colombia, where Balmy started, where Raycon started, where Karol G started, and obviously our group, Golpe a Golpe, and many more. The studio was built in a room in Mr. Deck's parents' house. They put wood on the walls, bought a console, a sound card, a computer, and microphones. In 2004, when a historic concert was held at Medellin's soccer stadium with Daddy Yankee, Tego, Evie, and all the heavyweights of the genre, young people from all over the city suddenly wanted to be reggaeton singers. Medellin has a terrible legacy with drug trafficking, which is no secret to anyone, right? And so young people at the time who were from the poor neighborhoods saw drug trafficking as the most feasible way of getting money and getting ahead in life. In the early 1990s, Medellin was a battleground for the drug cartels. Pablo Escobar, the most infamous of the capos, was from Medellin, and he waged a war against the Colombian state and the Cali cartel. There were murders, car bombs, entire buildings collapsed. Medellin was considered one of the most dangerous cities in the world until Escobar was killed and the city finally began to emerge from the rubble. Cuando ya llega la música, sobre todo el reggaeton, when music, especially reggaeton, came on the scene, it showed young people how a person from the barrios could improve their finances, to be able to dress well, to buy a cool car, or to show off for the girls. Some of the young talents who came to La Palma formed a crew. It included J Balvin, Raycon, Tigre, and Golpe a Golpe. They were called La Universidad de la Calle, the University of the Streets, because they had all dropped out of college to pursue their dreams in music. The kids in La Universidad de la Calle looked up to the artists from Puerto Rico. But there was a problem. In Colombia, the most popular genre was vallenato. 
Vallenato's songs were poems, legends, stories people memorized by heart and sang at the top of their lungs, including grandmas. Latigazo, on the other hand, you could only listen when your mom wasn't around. The solution was easy. They had to soften reggaeton. The only thing we Colombians have done has been to change the slang, change the sound. I think something important was when reggaeton came in hard. Artists like us in Golpe a Golpe, we said, for the whole world to listen to this, we have to use words that don't offend people. Reggaeton became so popular so quickly that other genres felt threatened. They called us at the studio La Palma. Everybody had the number. And they were like, if you keep doing reggaeton, we're going to kill you. Those were threats from the rappers themselves. You guys are traitors. You sold out. In other words, to them, we were sellouts because we did commercial reggaeton music. But nobody could stop the growth of reggaeton in Medallo. The public was hungry for it. And though a movement of talented paisa producers and artists was growing, what people really wanted were the boricuas, el perreo original, the original perreo. When they arrived, many of the Puerto Rican artists said they felt more loved in Medellín than back home. Los primeros artistas de reggaeton que llegaron a Medellín, que yo conocí. The first reggaeton group that came to Medellín that I met was Darwin and Cirilo. Darwin and Cirilo were the opening act for Héctor y Tito. Since they were from Puerto Rico, people started to like them. And when they came for the concert, wow, it was crazy. We have to have police outside their hotel to protect them because the fans wanted to go inside to be with them. And in Puerto Rico, one word construction and the other was a postman. So when they go back to Puerto Rico and tell the stories, the anecdotes, show the photos and the videos, in Puerto Rico, they're like, Colombia, Medellín. That looks good. Let's go. Big name artists with an old school reputation in Puerto Rico, but no real recent hits. Several of them in dire financial straits hopped on the next plane to Medellin where they would find an adoring public. Artists like Nicky Jam, Nejo Hidalmata, Jaga Imaki, and Alberto Style were fully booked, performing at concerts, nightclubs, quinceañeras, and low-key at the private parties of narcos. We should talk about something important. One of the things that characterizes Medellin is the drive of its people. Medellin is the Colombian capital of entrepreneurship. I don't know of any other city in the world where it's so ingrained in everyone's DNA. From the settler who went out with a backpack to conquer the jungle and establish a village to the largest companies in the country. That push served Niki Jam more than anyone. When he arrived in Colombia, he was far from being the star that formed the duo Los Cangris with Daddy Yankee. He struggled with addiction to opiates and spent time in jail. He came to Medellín for his own rebirth. When he arrived in Medellín, he hooked up with the paisas. They aren't telling Nicky, let's go play at this nightclub. They're going to give us a bottle of aguardiente. No. Instead, they're like, come on, we're going to do this. We're going to do it in this order. We're going to call the stations. We're going to record a song with so-and-so. We're going to release it on this day. We're going to have a lunch. So they gave him organization. And now they're a company. I think that had a lot to do with that Medellin drive. Ese toquecito como de compromiso y de disciplina hizo como algo importante porque... A little bit of commitment and discipline did something important. 
because if we're going to be honest, in, in terms of talent, Puerto Rico has an advantage over the Colombians. What I mean is, is that Puerto Rico, there's talent on every street corner, right? In Colombia, you have to look for more. But that desire, that drive, that discipline, adding that little touch made a huge difference for the Colombian reggaetonero. The new blood of paisa artists like J Balvin, Maluma, Carol G, the love of the fans for even non-Colombians like Nicky Jam, the change in lyrics and music, along with the old school of Puerto Rico, gave a whole new life to reggaeton. And that does it for season one of El Flow. It's been such a blast, you guys, and thank you for joining us all along. We can't wait to be back soon with season two to explore all things reggaeton with the movement's most influential artists. Until then, don't forget to keep perreando. Hasta abajo. El Flow is a production of Exile Content Studio in partnership with iHeartRadio's My Cultura Podcast Network. I'm Lilia Luciano, your host and executive producer. El Flow was created and produced by Vitenis Di Julis. Production and sound design by Dixo. Additional production by Catherine Quintero. Story editing by Nuria Net. Original music by Truco. Production supervision by Álvaro Céspedes. Executive producers for Exile Content Studio are Nando Vila, Isaac Lee, and Alejandro Uribe. Executive producers for iHeartMedia are Connell Byrne and Giselle Bances. For more podcasts from iHeart, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. When are you an American Express member? When you travel with the American Express Platinum Card and have access to Centurion lounges at over 40 locations worldwide, you're a member. When your American Express Platinum Card gets you seated at exclusive tables at renowned restaurants through Global Dining Access by Resi, you're a member. When you arrive at live events through dedicated American Express card member entrances at select venues, yeah, you're a member. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Voy a ponerme la vacuna Prevnar 20 porque estoy en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. La cual pudiera llevarme al hospital. Así que preguntaré sobre Prevnar 20. 65 años o más, puedes estar en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico acerca de vacunarte con Prevnar 20. Vacuna conjugada antineumocósica 20 valente. Una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones contra 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. El efecto secundario más reportado fue dolor en el área de la inyección. Para más efectos secundarios comunes e información completa de prescripción, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en Español.com. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20.